Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. This is the Unfiltered Entrepreneur. My name is Ashley Pollard. Here you will find business tips, entrepreneurial advice, and an honest account of mistakes I make along the way. I will also have some friends along for the ride who can add in their own experience, obstacles, and what we can all learn from each other. Entrepreneurship can be a lonely road, but not in my circle. We are all in this together. Hey guys, welcome back to The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard. I'm the founder and CEO of Team AP Consulting, where we help women every single day grow their business, scale to the success that they want, and do so with confidence and data-driven strategy. Today, I'm here with Alia. She is the founder of The Product Place, which I cannot rave enough about. Uh, She is someone who I really, really, really trust to be the go-to for all of those product-based business questions that I'm getting. If you don't know, I launched MeTime, a morning routine kit, a wellness company, if you wanted to call it that, in, uh, I guess, formally in November 2021. And I come from... 10 years plus of product experience. I've worked for major brands. I've worked for multiple product-focused companies, especially in the fashion industry. So in essence, I thought I should know how to launch a product-based business. But what I had never done was the actual production, the manufacturing, the development, the building of the business. And when it came time for me to dive into those portions of the business, I knew that I needed somebody that I could trust. And it was really funny because Alia popped into my DMs and she was like, I think I need you. And I was like, I've been creeping on you for months. I know I need you. And it kicked off a really perfect relationship where we both got to learn from each other. I lean on her greatly for her expertise as growing as someone who knows how to grow product-based businesses. Her experience is phenomenal. And I trust her so much that the warehouse that she runs is actually the one that MeTime is shipping out of. So really excited to be a client of hers and an ongoing client and a peer. So I'm so excited for you guys to get to know Alia better because although I love the product-based business questions, it's definitely something that we need to turn over to the queen herself. So joining me here in the quote-unquote studio is my girl, Alia. Hi, Alia. How are you doing? Hi. I don't know. I'm just like endlessly blushing after that introduction. Thank you. The queen. I mean, I can keep going, you know. Thanks. No, I appreciate it. I'm doing so well. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I love doing calls with you because you have this like super cool, modern, trendy office space that has this bold color and you have this art behind you. Every time I look at at your space or have a call with you, I'm like, God, like she's so cool. She's got her like... Anyone ask me like, what does it take to be like an inspired founder? I'm like, get a gallon of paint, pick a color, stick to a color and feel feel that in your space it takes you really far so even if I'm it's super rainy and gross here in Dallas and I literally walked into my office and I was like I mean that's a bright color it's bright red and I'm obsessed with it I feel like it's one of those spaces that it like energizes you but anyway as you heard we had such a funny meeting where you were kind of like I need direction and where I'm going I was like I need direction where I'm going and you were incredibly I, I mean, I truly don't know if I would have known how to move forward with me time if it weren't for you. You helped me with the basis of, you know, manufacturing relationships, all of the production timelines and kind of ironing out 
what it might look like to really launch this product-based business and all of the different problems that I hadn't even foreseen could come through the pipeline. So I'm curious, one, I know your background, but I'd love to hear a little bit about what got you to where you are now, which is kind of like product startup in a way. Yeah. So what brought you here? Yeah. So I originally, I got really lucky. I went to a magnet program in high school, bring it way back. And in this program, I had to have an internship and you had to intern in a business that you had no affiliation with, right? So you couldn't intern with like your parents' landscaping business or something. You had to jump out of your sphere of, of, of world. So I ended up interning with like the only fashion brand that was in my hometown. I'm from West Palm Beach. It was a vertical fashion-based business. And I ended up interning in the production that had an opening and in the department that had an opening, which was production, apparel production. And I started interning there with a fantastic woman who is now the lead of my production department, my technical design department here. So full circle there. So I always like that as a fun little keep in touch with your with your contacts you right now man and so basically I started really early just like learning it as if you would learn anything that you didn't know anything about I wasn't that type of like young girl who was like I'm gonna be in fashion and I'm gonna like go and like dress the stars it was really like hey I'm gonna learn this thing and so from there I basically you know went to went to college did the whole thing I went to school for advertising so I think that shows up a little bit in my life as well just being able to like connect the marketing side of your brand with like the let's go build the thing. And then I continued and I went back to that original company that I'd interned with all those years ago and basically just kept working up the chain and took over like all of the production. So I took over everything from, you know, we were building skincare lines. We were doing, I was manufacturing CDs, like compact discs. Funny. Um, You're like a CD for those yeah. listening who were born in 92. <laughs> Exactly. Um, we did a, we did rum companies. I was doing baby shoes. I mean, basically anything that you could touch, I was, I was manufacturing and I was sourcing and it was all built off this foundation of me just like figuring it out and learning um, over a long 10 year period of time. And then towards the end of my career, I kind of had gotten to the end of the rope with that role and ended up at Neiman Marcus. So that's the other side of my business, Ashley, where you and I are very similar because um, right. I ended up in corporate we were fashion. Right. Yeah. Our roles were almost opposite of each other. Yeah. So we were we would have been emailing each other if I would have had your brand, right? I was just on in a different department than your brands. But in that role, I was in the couture buying team at Neiman Marcus and I got to kind of see the other side of merchandising and, and all of those filling in all those gaps. And then I don't know, I think what happens when you and I'm sure you know this now with me time, like what happens is once you build something, it's super addicting. It's like tattoos. So addicting. It's like all of a sudden you start seeing everything and you're like, I could do that. I could build that. So while Neiman's was a fantastic exploration and it gave me so much confidence in my career because I was like, I totally I got this now. I can do I can do it all. Um, I missed the making of the thing. It's hard. It was hard for me to like, you know, look at Dolce & Gabbana's back end on the buying side and be like, eh. I don't know. That margin looks suspicious. Like I know how they're making manufacturing that dress. I understand what their skincare uh, looks like or what their distribution plan is. So once it's kind of like once you know too much, it really all came together. And I wanted to 
build that level of transparency for creative entrepreneurs like us, like people who were leaning into building service-based businesses. And I wanted products to feel just as accessible for them. In short, that's my journey. I had a really, really early internship, and I've just been learning and working with some fantastic industry experts for the past 15 years. You know, it's funny because my internship kind of like was the perfect foray into my career as well, where I took any internship where luckily I was in New York because I had moved to New York for the summer and I ended up getting a phenomenal internship at Oscar de la Renta. So I was very happy with that. But I fell into this like or sales internship and happened to be good at numbers and happened to be good at Excel and just kind of rose through the ranks and fell so deeply in love with it. But to your point, I never I never thought that I could have my own product-based business. And I definitely never really understood, although expensive and definitely hard, how doable it really is. You know, if you are craving a product brand, if you have any interest to buy or like to create a business and sell it, if you have any interest in growing a new brand or really taking ownership of it, I really learned through the process that it, you know, it's what I say to everybody. It's not hard. It's new, right? These things are just new to us. It's not like we're doing brain surgery. We're finding manufacturers and getting samples and approving them and so on and so forth. And it's a nightmare sometimes, but if you stick it out, it ends up being really really great. And it's, it's that's the perfect analogy. I've never heard one that per, put it into perspective so beautifully because, you know, you think about getting a tattoo and everyone's like, there's no way, there's no way. Or like, it would have to be important and it has to be exactly what I wanted to. And then you get one, you're like, I'll get, I'll do anything now. Like put that on my arm, put that on my leg, or put that on my ankle or whatever it is. Yeah. So now it's funny because my friend was like, I really want to open a restaurant. I'm like, let's open a restaurant. <laughs> or like, I want to launch a cookbook. And so I'm like, maybe I'll come out with a cookbook at some point. So it's like, it's just so funny because you kind of become addicted to the process a little bit, which is where the term serial entrepreneur probably came from. So you had mentioned that you love working or that you're, you know, interested in working more with these service-based businesses who want to launch product-based businesses. What would it look like if a service-based business, what kind of businesses are you seeing come to you? What products from different people, because I'm sure that people have products in them and they don't even know. Oh, everybody's got products in them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so really where it came from for me is I really started to pivot around the end of 2021 in realizing that a lot of who I should be working with for various reasons was like people who are ready for their next level in entrepreneurship. And the reason is I love doing product-based businesses for people who are like new, 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 new to business. But there is a part of me that truly believes that products are the next level, right? Run a service-based business, right? Learn how to monetize and manage your time and yourself as a resource and use yourself as a guinea pig, your own effort as a guinea pig for understanding how business works. Then level two is kind of, okay, now I'm going to invest in my own emotional ideas in me as a, you know, a creative idea pusher. And I'm going to invest in the physical manifestation of that as like a next step. So for me, in seeing like a lot of service-based business owners be successful, they're successful because they've already learned how to take risk in a manageable and scalable way. And product-based businesses are huge amount of risk. 
There is a lot of cash flow that's needed, very little tiny things that you can't forecast. Um, and we saw some of you saw some of that when you were working on on me time as well, right? It's like, oh, yeah, it was like you knew that you had the right cash number, big picture, but it was like the allocation of those funds and little things that come up and you've got to think about import and all of this stuff. It's very different than monetizing your time as an individual. So for us, we've seen a lot of success in helping service-based entrepreneurs just like have the pathway of like, listen, these are all of the steps. This is the order that we advise you go into. That way you're not over-investing. And like the last thing is I, I think one of the things that we've been learning in the past couple of years in running the product place is that top level, what we do as product developers is figure outable, right? But that those steps to kind of jump back and forth and guess it's very costly in products right so it's figure outable but it's expensive to make mistakes over here right so what we decide what we decide to say is kind of let's reduce the amount of mistakes that we're making because they are inevitable in product-based businesses iterations are just like a part of the game samples so we try to reduce as much of those mistakes as possible. It's funny because you and I have spoken about this before where people will say, I want a product-based business, I want a product-based business. And a lot of people may be interested in it, but what you may be missing is the fact that it's, to your point, very expensive and it takes significant time. Like I tell people $30,000 and a year. If you don't have those two things, I would maybe not do it yet. And I spent more than 30000 on me time. Granted, it's technically three products instead of one, you know, the whole thing. But And I went way hard on some things, and I'm really happy that I did, but that was my choice. And, you know, with building out a true product-based business, I think one of the things that people overlook is the fact that you don't have to use your own money if you have a profitable service-based business because you can use that business to allocate funds to that new project, right? So it's not like I, because I make a salary within Team AP Consulting, it's not like I was like reaching into my wallet and saying, instead of going to brunch, here's $30,000. <laughs> I'm saying like, how about I run a certain group pro program four times this year and every uh, and half of each program will go towards me time. And that's kind of how I allocated funds. That's kind of how I budgeted it. So if you want this within your business, it's not out of the scope of possibility if you integrate it into your sales plan, which is the tip I typically give people. You want to save $20,000? Add something in that will make you $20,000. Take an extra client. Work a little bit harder, right? Because I, oof, I mean, you think you work hard as a service provider? I have never worked harder in my life than starting a product-based business, but I love it. I love it. Yeah, but it's wild. Yeah, we say we say the same thing just in terms of like 30k in in a year. Um that's that's pretty much my numbers too, right? So for us in, in, in a done for you capacity, we kind of start off anywhere from from 30 to 50k. And yeah, I tell people like it's going to be 6 months to a year. And that is usually a really good indicator of your preparedness to do this. And that's not to like scare anybody off. It just means that like, hey, you might be 30, 90 days away from making the plan to get on that track. Um, and yeah, I love that. Like I love building basically a revenue stream that is going to feed into your product-based business. One of the tips that I always give to kind of like on that vein is one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is trying to have a cash number and then saying that, okay, this is now my budget to go make the product. 
because what happens then is you start making a really crappy product. And that's something that you can't do like you can do in service-based business. In service-based business, you can kind of say, all right, you know, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have this program and this is going to be the rate, which means I've got to sit, fit that amount of seats, right? We've all, everybody listening, we've all done that when we were starting our service-based businesses. We're like, oh my God, I'm going to make a million dollars this month because all I need is 45 people to sign up. And the difference is once you get into products, you don't have all of those variables. Those variables aren't in your control. Right. So if you come at it and say, hey, this X, Y, Z is the budget that I'm going to make and I'm going to make, you know, the next big bikini line. All of a sudden, your bikini line starts getting really, really sketchy. Right. Because it might not be the correct amount of budget. So one of the things that I focus on the most is making sure that people are first before you start planning anything or start putting any type of cash away in a little piggy bank for this product idea is let's make sure that that top number is like based in reality. Let's make sure that if you need to be saving 190K, let's get you the 190K. Let's work on that together for six months versus trying to work on, you know, 30K, 40K, 60K, because you feel like that's an arbitrary number that's going to give you this really fulfilling product-based business. So that's a lot of what I do and what I'm passionate about is making sure, like, listen, if we're going to do it, let's go do this. Let's go do it really, really well, even if it takes us a little bit longer, but let's make sure that we're saving in like a really informed way so that you don't have to compromise and say, wow, I just dedicated 16 months to this and I don't even like my thing. It's let's dedicate 24 months to this and and have the next best product. And I think that what you're hitting on are the trigger points that I'm hearing often because people are like, I want it all and I want it now, right? With me time, I've been very open. We have three boxes that will come out over the span of our first year. I could have easily launched all three of those at once, but I kind of go into this on my Instagram today. Granted, this is coming out like a month from now, but, you know, slow growth is vital in my opinion. That's how you build a core offering. That's how you test. That's how you do market research. And everybody gets caught up on like, no, when I launch it, it has to be perfect. And I'm like, I hate to tell you, no one's watching at the beginning. Like your loyal clients, your family, your friends, like fuck it up. You know what I mean? Like I hate to tell you, like make the mistakes at the beginning or like do it 50%, maybe not 50%, but like do it, do it well, but allow yourself the space to grow into the business, right? Because, you know, there was someone who came to me and was like, I want a clothing line and I want there to be 10 blazers and 15 dresses and six bags and three shoes. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you don't. Because you not only are you robbing yourself of like, first of all, all that investment, all those size runs, all those colorways, all that inventory, but also robbing yourself of growing with your client in a direction they're telling you they want to go. Kind of like having it in this collaborative effort. Sophia... Amaruso actually on her Instagram not too long ago was saying like every founder looks back and hates their first iteration, their first idea, that first like prototype, that first launch. And I think it says something to the fact that like you might hate this one day. So just get it out and adapt. Do you agree with that? Or do you like the button it up in a bow and have it launch perfectly from day one? I agree with that in Oh, this is gonna be a good episode because we're not gonna agree. <laughs> but I agree with it. I agree with it in, okay. in in service. I agree with it in service based businesses, and I agree with it when you're testing a market. 
when you're testing, is your audience ready for you to have a product-based business, right? Or is your audience even interested in you kind of getting into fragrance? Or is the market at large ready for his and hers matching kids and mommy swimwear? Sure. There's a lot of ways you can go into development to get something out that is viable, that is similar to where you want to go end of the road, right? I'm definitely not saying let's stand up and build the couture collection on day one because that would be absurd. But I do think for us and like the mistakes that I see come through are people considering at the start, well, I'm just going to drop ship for now. Or I'm just going to white label something. Right, right. So I like to make that distinction, especially for your audience, right? Because like there's a lot of different types of ways that you can launch a product-based business. And for us, I say, don't, if you're interested in this and you're feeling called to this, don't make your first run be something that's white labeled or, you know, private labeled or drop shipped because it is not the same. You're literally comparing apples to oranges about when your actual product line drops, right? So if you're, for example, I'll use me time as example because I know your audience loves you and I know they've seen it, right? So it would be very different if you came out with me time and you were just using empty notebooks with just branding on the front. And then trying to sell this as this like morning routine thing. And then it doesn't do well. And then you put all this cash into it right? Getting a bunch of blank notebooks that aren't customized. It doesn't do well. And you're like, oh, my audience doesn't like it. No, they liked it. You just need to push it a little bit farther. You cut yourself off too early in the development part, in the innovation part of building the morning routine kit. So that's where I say, let's take a little bit more time because I see people cut too early. Like they don't give themselves enough credit and they don't push far enough with the dream. And that's why you see a ton of like drop shippy copycat brands out there. Right. Does that make sense? Right. And I have no problem. Fully makes sense. And I actually don't disagree with that. I fully agree with that because for instance, on team AP consulting, we do drop ship. We drop ship sweatshirts, hoodies, that kind of thing. Because it's not right. And it's not a substantial model, right? It's not, I don't have projections against it. And you're selling, you're doing that also. And I feel like for merch, because we get a lot of brands that come in to do merch too. And I'm like, I'll run merch all day long because it's viable. But your merch is a revenue line of your service-based business. Your merch you do not run that business the same way that you run your product-based business, right? I mean, for example, I'm not fulfilling your merch. Doesn't It's not necessary because it's not a volume business. Also, the margin is like gone. You know what I mean? Like you, people might think that I'm like making money on these sweatshirts and I'm like, I make a dollar per sweatshirt. Let dial it down. It's fun. It's marketing more than anything. Whereas the margin when you create, sure, there's an upfront cost, no question. But this first round of me time products, you know, a fraction of the sales will pay back my investment because there is a much deeper margin when you are running production on your own. And to your point, me time would not have felt important if it wasn't the right. custom journal, if it was affirmation notepad or something. Or if it was just lined, right? Like if it was just a lined notebook and it had your beautiful logo on there, everyone would be like, yeah, I'm going to like support Ashley, but I don't think that this is really going to transform my life. I don't think that this is something that I'm going to gift my aunt, right? Her baby shower, right? It doesn't have that level of impact, nor should it. So in summary, 
yes, get the first iteration out, but really take the time to make sure that your first iteration is not you copying out on yourself. Don't don't give up now. Because you're going to be going so deep into it. You're going to be really investing a lot of time. Don't do it for a subpar product, but also don't like launch everything at once. Otherwise, you don't have a core product. So it's funny because, you know, I think there's also a little bit of like brand, like big brands do products, right? But you look at the market right now and the people who are actually making such big waves, I feel, are independent product startups. The people that I feel like are getting so much recognition. I mean, of course, there's the people, you know, maybe like Mad Happy or Kith who are making names for themselves in like the sweatshirt space, but they're owned by like LVMH and they have massive investors behind them. I'm sure you get a lot of LVMH. A lot of LVMH has competition brands that come to you and I'm like, let's not, we're not going to compete against one of the biggest monsters of all time in in the industry, right? Um, I think like one of the, one of the quick things you can do to gut check yourself too is, is look at it as a hero-based business. Go ham, but go ham and do one thing. Um, and that will also help to keep your kind of, it'll help to keep your, your guardrails in check. Because you can't really burn too much cash chasing one single product. That's a nice, that's a nice safety rail. And it also allows you to test and push yourself with one product's idea, right? Really run it all out on saying like, hey, I'm going to do like the next like water bottle brand and innovate the heck out of that water bottle. And then you can get into to athleisure and all of the other things that came with the additional idea. And they'll tell you. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's 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 one part of it. Um, they'll tell you. And I also have like started to say recently that you'll start to tell you. You'll know. You'll be able to see. You'll yeah, you'll once you launch something. Once that business is going, once you're about 60% through, that's usually around the time when you're starting to commit to purchase orders on your first product-based business, you'll already know very, very, very confidently what your next steps are going to be. It'll start to come together. And a lot of that is because like you've already done the thing once. It's very difficult to sit down and try to build out, you know, five years of collections and what are the drops going to be? And then we're going to do this collab and we're going to have a limited edition look. Very difficult to do that and not feel like an imposter, like not feel like you're making it up until you like start the process. So it is a little bit of always going to be like a leap of faith, but it's a very rewarding leap that, um, just feels totally different. I have one client who is launching a product-based business. I have two others that I think are actually very seriously considering it versus some others that are like, I want to come out with, you know, notepads, right? Which is what we were just talking about. But if somebody were to say like, okay, I think this is an investment that I'm willing to make within my business. I have the space to make that investment. I want to go deep into it and expand it and create the second business. One, I do want to talk about exit strategy at some point, so I'm putting that out there. But two, uh, the first question I want to talk about is they're starting and they're like, I don't know where to begin. What is the single step? What is the like initial jumping off point so that if someone were to say, I listen to the podcast and I'm ready to pay the 30K and invest a year and I have a phenomenal idea that's innovative, 
what is the first step if they have never done this before? Yeah. So, I mean, you definitely run through validation much like you would run through with a service-based business. The number one thing that I push super hard in is building out a, what we call like an ISC. So it's like an internal suite catalog. Sounds very intense. Basically what you want to do is get yourself a huge poster board and really spend a long time if you're doing this on your own, spend two weeks writing down absolutely every single thing that you would need to physically create that is going to land on Susie's doorstep when she places her first order with your brand. This is part of what we did together. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to ship three products and they're, they're going to come in a box. And you're like, they're going to go in a box just alone. There's nothing else in the box. And I was like, okay, so I guess I need filler. And she's like, right, are you going to have a note, a, like a little note inside? And I was like, okay, so I guess I'll need a note. What about the receipt? Oh, okay, well, yeah, I guess I have to consider that. Is there any tape? Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess it, so it's funny because like it, you start to realize it's a okay, good exercise just to get you to really tune in and be like, oh, okay, this is actually going to require a lot. I'm not just doing earrings. I'm not just doing, you know, a necklace or I'm not just doing a ne- ring or whatever. This is actually a lot. I'm going to need a box that's this size. But what if somebody buys four of them? What's going to happen then? Am I going to need like, like, where am I going to? Sh- All of that type of stuff needs to get documented. So you can see from left to right or whatever on a poster, on a mood board, everything that is physical that you are going to have to create out of thin air. And then from there, that becomes your next steps guide, right? That becomes your your big picture guide to, to kind of building out the thing. So I give that to give like a really tangible exercise that you can start to do to start to gauge how ready you really are. You know, I could stand here and be like, you need to run competitive analysis. Like, yeah, but like you guys know that. So in terms of products, that's one of the first times in the process of developing a product line where things are going to start to feel different because it's not just about the offer and what's the offer promise and what's your curriculum going to be and what are their deliverables. What's the Dubsado work? It's none of that. It all becomes very physical and very real very quickly. So I love to give that as as an exercise because I think it really just like, even for yourself, listeners, it just like thins the herd of like your own ideas that you might have. You might try to run that exercise with a candle brand idea and be like, this is just not inspiring. Like, I'm not into it. Like, this feels boring. And then you might do the same thing with a crew neck business and be like, now we're getting somewhere. I'm into it. What do you feel about, I'm shifting gears a touch. What do you feel about launching your first business with size runs versus not size runs? And if people don't know what I'm talking about, a size run is like, extra small, small, medium, large, where you would have with like a t-shirt versus a candle, Mm -hmm. there's a size. What Do you think that you have a recommendation for one over the other? No, I don't. I don't shy away from that. Obviously, I'm a product development agency. So for us, we, we, we look at those types of what we would call like variants a lot. And it's just something that you manage. But I'll say this. One of the reasons why it shouldn't scare you away is if you take into consideration what I first said, you should have a hero-based business when you start. That should be your baseline. So if you're having a hero-based business, it doesn't really make me nervous for a first-timer to like manage five sizes of something. Because when you're even running through a larger exercise, like the kind of the poster board exercise we just got from, as long as you can see it and you can really look at everything and feel confident that I got this. I know it's going to be five sizes, 
but it's what I want to do. I still feel inspired. I still feel like it's doable. I still have good energy around it. Don't sacrifice an innovative product for 15% more work. It's not worth it. I'm I'm happy that you said that because I think that coming from handbags, right? So going all the way back, you came from couture, which is mm-hmm. size. Yeah, yeah. Coming from handbags, because if you don't know, when I was working in the fashion industry for my 10 years, I worked almost primarily in handbags. It's not sized. You know, you buy a bag, that's the size. And if you buy a crossbody versus a purse, that's a different style. It's not a different size, right? So I loved working for unsized businesses because it was so much easier to predict sales, right? Don't get it wrong. It is way easier to predict sales. But I will challenge you to say that if you can do it for for one, what we would call SKU, right? So that handbag that was, you know, ABCD SKU. If you can run it for that, you can drag that formula down and run it for, for a bunch of other sizes. You just have to start thinking about them all as their own. The size small of the dress you're thinking about is just its own thing. And the size large is its own thing. And that size large might run really, really great in XYZ state. And the size small might run really, really great with your stockists and wholesale. And you just got to know those things as independent things. No, I mean, I, I think it's still fair. If you've got a good idea, I'm all about chase what feels right to you, chase what feels innovative and what feels needed and what feels exciting to you more than anything else. If like, if you get like butterflies about it, like do it. Well, that's the good news because it would make me concerned and I haven't shared this with anyone or like put down their idea by any means, but it would make me nervous for someone to go into a product-based business had they not had experience in the sizing space because it can be really overwhelming, but I'm really happy to hear you saying do the thing because you have to be in love with it. And if you are in love with the idea and your idea is sized, then I would go for it. And I'll add like, it might be like, this might be like a little too micro, but for anybody who's like nerding out and likes this type of thing, like one holler, cause we'll probably be friends. <laughs> but the thing about, you know, even what we do at the product place here, like we don't do any type of like drop shipping, private label. We only do vertical development, which means if you're coming to us saying, Hey, I want to make, you know, a lot, I want to make a blazer. We're going to build those specs out for you custom. So if we're doing it to start with, you're going to run all of your sizes anyway. It is a part of building patterns and a tech pack for a factory for something that's sized. So it being sized is about 5% of the work we do. It's called a graded spec. And that's how you size your product up or size your product down or size your product for you know junior versus Missy, all of the things. So for us on our side, it's just part of the thing. It's just, it's the same go-to just as like in service-based business when you're like pricing something and pricing out your hour. It's just part of it. And you're like... Here would be my price for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes. In essence, I know exactly what the service is. There's just a tiny tweak depending on how much time you're doing. Exactly. So don't be too afraid of it. Yeah. So here's another question for you. What is a mistake that you see early founders often make that you would just be like, please don't do this? Outside of obviously the dropship conversation we've had. Yeah. Early founders. I think the biggest mistake is... And, you know, and I do always agree with you, Ashley, on the it's not it's not hard, it's new. But I do think I do see a lot of mistakes happening around thinking that you can wing this, like you can wing the starting of your service-based business. And that's not to say that there aren't savants, right, that there aren't people that are going to be really good at figuring this out. 
but it is to say that product-based businesses have a level of execution and a level, a level of order of things that has to be done in a certain order. You have to run your first prototype before you can negotiate a purchase order. One of the biggest mistakes I see is people thinking like, well, I did my service-based business and it was a lot of research and I just kind of got my hands dirty and I got in there and I invested and I know that I lost a little bit of cash because I messed this up or I had a bad hire here. And that's the biggest thing is just thinking that that what kind of got you through that first run of entrepreneurship is going to reflect over here because it is it is different. Both businesses, but they are different. Totally different models. And there's almost like more cooks in the kitchen. For instance, I have only so much control over product I put on a boat. When does it get here? I don't really know. Like if it gets stuck in customs, I have to figure it out, right? Like so there's some things that are out of your control. There's some things that have to be done by certain things. And I think that was the hardest part for me was the juggling of five different deadlines. It was interesting because it was like I booked a photo shoot for the product, which means that I had to have the sample by a certain date, which means I needed to submit all the specs for the sample by a certain date, which means I needed the branding and the website and all the internal design by a certain date. But it's like the branding couldn't be done by this date, which means the sample was going to be by this date and this manufacturer was going to have this done. And I was like, I went to the shoot without a lot of people actually have never heard this. No one knows this actually. Tell us. On my lifestyle, my lifestyle photo shoot of me time, the oil was a was kind of the oil bottle, mm-hmm. like it was the the sample, but I printed a sticker and put it yeah, on the oil yes. bottle because I was like, I was like, we're just not going to focus on the bottle, yeah. but it's going to be like around. And obviously, it's not like an e-com shoot or anything like that. That was the actual product, but it's funny because I also didn't have the, I'd never seen the affirmation cards at the time of our shoot, and so I printed out paper cards and got decks of cards and tried to like glue them on top of the deck of cards it didn't work you gotta do what you gotta do so we actually like never shot the cards at all until i got a sample and so all of the sample or all of the pictures of the cards have all just been from me iphone but it's just like it's a lot of juggling like this deadline and that deadline and you know it's funny because it's also a lot of math in the sense of like the minimum order quantity or the MOQ here is 100 so I have to buy 100 of this but I have to buy 250 of this but I can buy 75 of this so it's just it's so much I love it I love it so much well it, you have to be like a puzzle person and I'm a puzzle person like right. I love to problem solve and the organization of it was really fun for me and I also come from like Maybe not manufacturing, but merchandising at least. Yeah. Uh, so the whole thing was just like fun. I agree. I thought it was a blast. And I think I think one of the things, even like to make it like a little bit more, like to take it up like another 100,000 feet for anyone who like didn't understand, you know, the details of, of how all that goes around and happens, right? I think at its core, the part that makes the juggling feel different than the juggling that a service-based entrepreneur is already crushing right now right? Is that in a product-based business, you don't know and you haven't done all of the other people that you have to manage. You haven't done their jobs. So you haven't done a custom broker's job. So you don't, you don't even know how to manage them or what to ask for or how to push them or how to challenge them on timelines because you've never done that job before. You've never done the job of a factory worker. You've never done the job of a dye line creator. You've never you know, worked as a, a print manufacturer. 
So you don't know, you don't have the level of confidence that you have in your other world, in your, you know, your super capable, confident entrepreneur world, like this badass person that has this business, you're crushing it. You just did like 350K. You're like trying to do your next product-based business. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I have to hire a branding expert, but like, I can't talk to them like how I would normally talk to someone who's doing the branding for my website or for my Instagram account. This is like a totally different game because now we got to look at Pantones and we got to look at color chips and, you know, we've got to pull thread colors and lab dips. And that's not the same thing. I don't know how to adjust and tell her that it's wrong because we're looking at color codes I've never even seen before. So I think it, a lot of it comes back down to the people. Um, a lot of moving parts, a lot of puzzle pieces, like you said, to fit together, but it's it's a difference because you haven't run their roles before. Right, right, right. That's exactly what it is to you, especially because, you know, I manufactured overseas, which I want to ask you that question in a second about domestic versus overseas production, but I manufacture overseas for most of my products. And so that would that time difference meant that i could not talk to them until 9 p.m. right that was the earliest i could talk to them and sometimes i'm getting messages from at midnight 1 a.m. 2 a.m. hey we need you to confirm this sample so we can go out today and i'm like okay yeah <laughs> i've like been laying in my bed getting phone calls at 1 uh, o'clock in the morning yeah i've been i've been up at 4 o'clock in the morning since i would say like 2005 <laughs> like talking to that continent um so I, I feel you, and it's, it's, you know, that's another reason why I say go for the hero product-based business, because imagine having 18 different factories as like a, as a fun factoid. I mean, on average, a product-based business, even that is a hero, has about 15 vendors that they need to uphold a relationship with, right? So that's where having like a project manager comes in handy or working with someone, you know, like what we do at, at TPP comes in handy because it's like, you just like 3X'd the amount of people that are reporting to you when you start a product-based business. You, and you have to be a good client. You have to be a good collaborator. Yes. You have to be a good partner. All of it. Yeah. What would you say? Obviously, we know the difference. You know, To me, I, I do value domestic production for sure. I think it was just I didn't understand the price difference until I went into production. For instance, for me to make the journal in the six places I talked to in the United States averaged $22 per journal which is insane. So if I wanted to ever discount that to $25, I would lose money because I also have to contribute to the shipping cost. So it's it becomes super sticky in my opinion because there is like a little bit of like a moral debate of like, I want to keep it quote unquote in-house. I want to keep it in the US, but I also want to make sure that I'm making a margin on this product. Otherwise, why did I throw 30K in it just to make what, 35K? Like only 5K back? So what kind of considerations would people have to keep in mind when they're doing domestic versus overseas production? And do you recommend one over the other? I do. So that, I mean, there's two main points. The first thing I want to touch on is a conversation that I have with a lot of clients. It's a very difficult conversation. Uh, you touched on it a little bit, but it's like this moral dilemma and this kind of like taboo touch on manufacturing overseas. Um, and when, usually when people say manufacturing overseas, they're talking about manufacturing Asia, China. Um and, you know, I've been doing this for over 15 years now, and I've had some of the same relationships for, you know, over that decade. There's families that I've talked to 
decades, you know, years over years over years. And I used to work with her mom and now I walk, work with the daughter and the son just started. And something that I like to always bring to my clients is this idea that work de- manufacturing domestically is somehow of a higher quality or is it somehow um, more appropriate or has a better value or, you know, if you're working overseas, you're definitely contributing to, you know, an issue of child labor. And there are a lot of amazing resources that you can use to be able to facilitate and assess the factory that you're working with so that you can get a really, really strong supply chain that is also really helping a lot of communities that rely on manufacturing to come through. So there are entire communities that are dedicated to, you know, working through and developing a certain type of silk or manufacturing a certain type of like uh, environmentally friendly product or, you know, manufacturing rugs, variety of things. Um, So I do always like to make that note whenever I can that there are a lot of really amazing ways to support the global community by manufacturing overseas. I'll be quicker with the second one. But the second point is that this whole like conversation about international manufacturing and things are taking so long and I really don't worry about it too much. I manufacture for my clients in the best places that I'm going to manufacture. And the best places comes in two ways. That conversation that we just had about supporting global manufacturing and supporting those communities and also quality of the product and us managing the budget and us managing the timeline. And wherever that happens, we will work to correct it and make sure that the product lands when it's supposed to land. Nine times out of 10, when you're scrolling and you're seeing all of the stuff online about, oh my gosh, the international logistics are so insane. They're not talking about product-based businesses like what we're working with. Okay. They're talking about, they're talking about Target. They're talking about, you know, Target and the 18 million pencils that they just ordered for August back to school. They're not talking about, you know, Susie in Kansas's 500 vessels that she just ordered to make put her candles in. That stuff's going to go on FedEx. Like that's going to go on an airplane unless you're really, really trying to watch numbers, right? It's always an option. So nine times out of 10, you know, it kind of touches to the, to the first point I made for us talking today is like, do it the best way possible. Make the best quality thing and just trust yourself that you're going to figure out the logistics later, but don't let the logistics deter you from making a really good product. You know, there's really no feeling on the planet I've ever felt holding that journal in my hand. It's for the so first good, time. right? It's Isn't it so different? It's so different than like... I mean, I was like, this is at least the closest I've gotten to having a baby. Oh, <laughs> I, well, I think it's, I think it's so much, it's so much more, not more rewarding, but it's like a completely different experience to like hitting a revenue goal, right? Like it just feels, it feels different. It's like, you have to do it again. And it's like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's another like part. Tangible, right. This was like a tangible, I worked on it for nine months and I'm holding it in my hands the way I saw it in my head. It was so insane. Right. And I think it has to do with like human beings, like we're community first people, right? We're individuals. We thrive in communities. And part of the reason of like why we thrive in communities is because of shared experience. So having a physical product-based business and having a physical product that you can hand off to this other human next to you and be like, look at the thing right? Look, I just made fire. You can see it too. You can see it. You can touch the fire that I made. I think there's just something very human about that, um, which is definitely why I do what I do and why I love what I do. Because I think, you know, it's it's very different than trying to explain, you know, 
how great your service is. Everybody right. has an interpretation. It's, it's the best. But when they feel yeah. that those me time books, you know, they get it. They like instantaneously, they're like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's the most insane experience. It's the biggest roller coaster I've ever been on. I have had some ni- days where I was like, I'm done. I know. I never, like, I never believed it. Out, I never believed it for a second. I was like, you'll be fine. You're like two weeks shy of launch. It's fine. I was like, everything's burning to the ground. I was like, it's just a no, thank you card. Everything's It'll fine. Be fine. It'll get here. <laughs> <laughs> so much that I've learned along the way, but I'm really, really, really happy. Um, yeah, I be. do not think that I could have launched Mean Time, Me Time without oh, you. And you. you've been such a vital part of my journey. You've been so incredibly helpful. You know, you remind, I feel like the way that I speak about you is what I hear people say about me, which was like, you're direct, you're looking out for me, right? So That's such you're a like, compliment. Don't do that. Do this instead. Because I know you're I like think, the I queen so. of the queen of testimonials over there, changing lives. Oh well, thank you. I mean, I feel I truly think that it was, you know, not that I wouldn't have done it, but there was so many barriers that I did not. And it's crazy because like you Google some of these things and you think that there should be answers out there, but they were not clicking. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't connecting the dots properly. So it's been, there aren't answers. I'm going to just tell everybody the secret right now. The reason why you don't know what to, you can't find it on Google is because you don't a know what to Google, but B because like, it's not on there. Right. Everybody's talking about drop shipping. So they're giving you answers that are like come for a completely different thing. So don't be too hard on yourselves. If you are in the process of looking, um, it's slim out there. Yeah. I obviously chose to go with a warehouse, which is why I'm working with your team, who is phenomenal. It's an absolute weight off my shoulders to know that it's, you know, pretty consistent that we're getting orders and to know that they're going out, to know that they're going out in a really beautiful way, to have a contact if I have any questions. It's so, so, so nice versus at the end of a long day having to like pack things in a box and put on print out a label and schedule a pickup. It's like, oh my God, it's such a nightmare to have to do that. However, some people really enjoy mm-hmm. that stage of the process because it is such like an intimate yeah. part of your growth, which I think is really cool. And although I would love to pack a box one day and maybe when I come down yeah, to I'll Dallas, down. I'll pack one of your me time boxes. Um, I think that whatever you choose is, is great, whether that is going with a warehouse, which I don't think you need at the beginning. I just knew that I wasn't going to have a home base this year. We really. usually say we usually say about 50 orders a month. Once once you've done about once you've done about 50 orders a month, uh, hand it off. So you can go and work on the, all of the other things that are actually revenue generating the business because the fulfillment is not revenue generating. It feels like it is, but the sales already happened, right? We're just executing the back end. We're just cleaning it up for you and getting out the door in an efficient way. Um, so I say about 50 orders a month. If you're feeling like you want to do that part of the business, yeah, do it, but don't do it for too long because um, you're just like hindering your own personal growth, business's growth. Yeah. And it becomes monotonous, but you know, um, okay. Well, Alia, I know that there are going to be people, three people in particular that come to mind that are going to be like, okay, I need to hire her immediately. Honestly, run, don't walk. I've loved all of the insight that you've given me. It's all been incredibly helpful. It, And it's funny. I remember us talking and you were like, I feel like I didn't help you at all. And I'm like, but it unlocked so many, I didn't know that was a thing moments. Right, you yeah. know what I mean? Where to you, you're like, that's second nature. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't know the thing. So it's been great. So one, I know that you have a, a program coming up and I 
A, wanted to make sure that we did this podcast episode because I want to scream from a mountain about working with you because I trust you more than anything. B or two, whichever (laughs) one I started with. (laughs) Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that is so that if people are listening to this, like I want a me time business of my own, except don't take my business model. (laughs) How 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 could they uh, how could they work with you and what does that program yeah, look like? Yeah, so product twenty four is the top twenty four lessons in order, and we delivered over twenty four days. So we're really leaning into like you're most likely already a service based entrepreneur. You know that products are your next level, whether that's this year, next year, you know that it's part of the general product suite and offering that you want to put out into the world. And so what we're doing is we're putting together the top 24 things that you need to know and we're delivering them to you in the order that you need to execute them. So it becomes like half education of like, here are all the things that you didn't know that you needed to know. And also here's the order in which you need to execute this again and again and again for every single time you want to get into products. So it becomes like a 24 step checklist with how to, um, and I'm really excited about it. It's just, it's been an amalgamation of like the past three years of running this business and just answering the question of like, wait, when do I do this? I had no idea that I was supposed to do this. Why isn't this working? It's all of those like really big pain points in an hour a day, which is like what I'm really excited about because I think that that is what most people who are already entrepreneurs really need, right? You don't need another six-month course to think about possibly planning a business that you might possibly do in like you know, a year and a half that you don't have the cash flow for right now. So what we're doing is we're giving you all of the information so that you can then assess how much cash do you need? Is this what you want to do? Are you ready for it? Is the timing right? When will the timing be right? What is the team I need? What's the amount of time I need to dedicate to it? What's the cash flow looking like? It answers all those questions and gives you some confidence so that you can then go and put it into your your entrepreneurial plan, big vision. Phenomenal. Who would be the right person to get or be a part of that program? Right. So we're definitely like if you're already thinking about products, if you've been thinking about a product-based business for about three months and you're just kind of like an endless Google and Pinteresting world and you don't really know how to take the next step, um, it's definitely good for you because I advise like get the education, learn what you don't know, and then you can go and invest in working with a consultant, whether it's me or somebody else, or you can invest in like hiring your own team. But like you can't do those things unless you know what it is that you're managing. And so what we're trying to do is like not create a program that is going to be, hey, go work out into the world and go and do this and execute. It's just about learning. It's just about giving you the foundation. And then alternatively, we were also seeing a lot of people kind of come through and start to apply now who have product-based businesses and feel like they just kind of had them by accident. And they're like waking up and they're like, Alia, you're right. I skipped all of the steps. I didn't do any of that. And now we've been around for 18 months and we're starting to see really steady sales and I just need to clean things up. What is the process? What am I missing? And again, I really like the energy that not everybody needs to work in a one-on-one capacity. Not everybody needs to have a team execute on your behalf. Sometimes you do just need to learn it, even if you've already 
done it. And that's the interesting about thing about products is you can, you know, have a product-based business that's been live for a little bit and then be like, you know what? I feel like this part is like really messy. And I'm like, yeah, because it is really messy. Like, let's fix that. So yeah, so kind of on the on on both halves, but really anybody who's looking for education. And I, like I said, I, I get so many questions. The biggest one, how can you run both? And I'm like, it one is like a side hustle right now and one is the full-time job. That will even out this quarter as I start taking steps out of mm. client work and into me time. Figuratively and literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to really focus on me time. You know, I mentioned exit strategies earlier and I'm not building this business to be the next CEO of a multi-million dollar product-based business. I am building it right. to sell. So I'm not taking any money from me time. I am you know, using that money to pour it back into the business. I am doing things to make the brand attractive and hopefully selling it for the dollar amount that I have in my head, which is super cocky. And that's the goal because if other people can do it, then I can do it. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Not holding it too precious. Alia, where can we follow you? Definitely hang out with us, uh, theproductplace.com. That's where we keep things the most fresh. Um, Getting on our email list, you can always book a free 20-minute with myself. Um, You can check out our programs. And also, I'm on Instagram, theproductplacehq. Colorado's over there. And Alia, Amazon Mary O'Neill, even though my middle name is not Mary. Really? No, it's Marisa, but I, because I always say like Emma's and Mary, you know? Right, right. So funny. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are. I mean, I know how hard you work. I know the way that, you know, it's funny because people will say to me, like, I'll launch something and people be like, I want to buy everything that you say because I just trust you so much. And they'll be like, do, do I need this? Do I need this? And that's what I do to you. I'm like, Alia, do I need this? Alia, do I need this? Alia, do I need this? Because you are We're like, I'll tell you queen, when, you know? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so generous with your knowledge. Thank you for contributing to the podcast and to my audience because I know some of them are definitely curious about what it could look like to launch their own business. I have some clients that are launching their own product-based businesses. You know, the first round of anything is brutal. It's not going to be the easiest right. roller coaster you've ever been on by any means. But after that, like, I feel like I'm on the bike, you know, and I feel like I can easily yeah. pick up another bike and ride that one too now, which is really interesting because I feel like I learned a skill versus just launching a business, which is really fun. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to say it that, you know, in, even what we were saying, like in summary, the difference between service base and product base is like, yeah, product base is. It's more of a skill. It's more of something that you do have to learn, Um, but it's super learnable. Super learnable. That's a great way to put it. Alia, thank you for joining us, and we will catch you next time on The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. Thank you, guys. Bye. Hold up. Don't leave quite yet. The good just gets better. I know it might be expensive to hire me for my services, so I've created a free way for you to get all of my best for any question you have. Click the link in the show notes to drop us a voice note, and I promise you I will answer every single one of them on the podcast for free. This has been a Fast Forward production. To learn more about them, check out at the Women Are Speaking on Instagram for more information.